There are two dilemmas that rattle the human skull. How do you hold on to someone who won't stay? And how do you get rid of someone who won't go? From Pod 617 Productions, it's Shine On, a presentation of Berkman, Botker, Newman, and Shine. Now here's your host, attorney Evan Shine. Episode 2 of the Shine On Podcast, I'm Evan Shine. We have an incredible and fantastic show today. There was great feedback on Episode 1. And as always, the legendary David Yaz, executive producer of the Shine On podcast, he is on the other side. Yes, on the the other side of the New York-Boston divide, as it were. (laughs) But yeah, really excited. I saw a lot of great, great feedback as well on episode one and um, off to a flying start as far as I'm concerned. And David, Nikki Bruno is our featured guest on today's episode of the Shine Up podcast. Nikki is a divorce empowerment coach and founder of the company, The Epic Comeback. Nikki's terrific work focuses on helping individuals navigate the world of high-conflict divorce, emotional abuse, and life's most difficult transitions. Nikki's incredible work in her company have been featured in Forbes, Reader's Digest, Cosmopolitan, Bustle, NBC, and many other media outlets. Nikki has a new program launching soon, and we're excited to talk to her about it. The program is called How to Get Over Your Divorce Before Your Divorce is Over. She is also the host of the Epic Comeback podcast, and we're going to talk to Nikki about navigating a high-conflict divorce from start to finish. How to start the process of getting over your divorce before your divorce is finalized. Lessons she learned from going through her own divorce. And happiness. How can you find it? How can you believe it will exist again? And why is it so hard for people to truly find happiness after the divorce process? It is an interview that you do not want to miss. And I want to get right into a few themes. And I want to start this episode by talking about holidays and holiday traditions. And as we sit here recording this episode, one week after Thanksgiving, and with the December holidays and school breaks and vacations right around the corner, I'll tell you what, you can officially add holidays to the list of, well, everything that is different this year because of the pandemic and the coronavirus, whether it was the in-person family get-together over Thanksgiving that didn't happen, the touch family football game that you just couldn't figure out how to play (laughs) in a socially distant way, or sitting down to watch the Thursday night Thanksgiving football game that was sacked at the last minute because of the coronavirus, which continues to spread across the country and the National Football League, or the beach vacation in December that was now canceled. The truth is, right now life is different, and family traditions and rituals, those two are also different. And the holidays for many parents going through a divorce, or the first holiday season where the family will not all be together, it's one of the hardest times of the year for parents. And there's no shortage of articles and resources and tremendous professionals out there to help parents going through a divorce, navigating the holidays. But see, here's the thing. There's no playbook for anything in 2020. There's no playbook out there for how to handle life going through a divorce in the middle of a pandemic. Now you throw in the emotions and stress around the holidays. And as a divorce attorney who drafts holiday schedules all day long, who negotiates who's going to have the kids for Thanksgiving and the Christmas vacation, I'll tell you, this holiday season in the middle of a pandemic, it's as emotional 
and as hard for people going through a divorce as I have ever seen it. There is an absolutely terrific article in the New York Times that I read recently by Kate Murphy. And the title of the article is Pandemic Proof Your Habits. And the focus of the article is that too many people are still longing for their old routines. And she encourages, as I have as well with my clients who are going through a divorce, get new traditions, find new rituals, find happiness in new ways and celebrate it. Find new ways to connect with your kids. Find new ways to connect with your ex and be optimistic that the darkest days are behind you with respect to the holiday season in 2020 and look forward to the holidays in 2021 when life may look a bit more normal. And maybe, just maybe, some of these new rituals that will come out of the pandemic, maybe they will become permanent family traditions in your household going forward as you navigate post-divorce life. But I'll tell you, just like there's no playbook for parents divorcing during a pandemic, there's no playbook for divorce attorneys. And this was no more obvious to me than it was during the days leading up to Thanksgiving. In a first for me, I negotiated who controlled the mute button on Thanksgiving. I negotiated whose Zoom account sent out the Zoom invite for the virtual Thanksgiving meal. And I negotiated who could be on the Zoom Thanksgiving. Yeah, you heard that right. See, people were actually creating invites for their virtual Thanksgiving. Because for many people, staring at your ex or a family member that you don't like on a Zoom, it's worse. It's harder than just being able to go in the other room with a plate of food and watch the Cowboys lose in another game in what's shaping up to be a totally lost season for them. Let's talk divorce and entertainment. Whose divorce is more in the news these days than Dr. Dre? I woke up the other day to the latest breaking news in Dr. Dre's divorce saga. The headline read, Dr. Dre is now threatening to call his wife's bridesmaids to testify at their trial. Oh, boy. (laughs) Never a good thing. That's delicate. That's delicate. That's real delicate. And David, after I had a pretty good laugh, Mm -hmm. I was reminded of a case I had several years ago. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget it. I'm in my office on a call with my associate. And we're on the phone with a client. And this was a really high-conflict divorce. And my client was angry. And justifiably so. Probably about 60 seconds into the call, he said, Evan, if she wants a trial, let's have a trial. It didn't stop there. He went off. He said, Evan, I'll call her bridesmaids to the stand. They never liked her anyway. (laughs) I'll call the florist. I'll call the wedding planner. I'll call the band leader. My wife couldn't even pick a song for us to dance to. I'll get the band leader to testify. And my thought was, really? Is that what you think is relevant after 25 years of marriage? I mean, I said you might as well call her second grade teacher to the stand because the relevance is the same. And you see, as a divorce attorney, I see good and rational people at their worst. Divorce is hard. Divorce is emotional. And this was the response from an otherwise pretty common level-headed person. And as a divorce attorney and litigator and someone who spends more time in a courtroom than in his own living room in any other year but 2020, the evidence and testimony you present to the judge on behalf of your client, it needs to be relevant. It needs to be material. It needs to support your client's position. And I often tell clients this exact bridesmaid story. When I prepare clients for trial, when I sit down and develop a trial strategy and go over the evidence to submit and the evidence and witnesses that are best left at the altar. 
I want to touch on conflict and parenting. I read an article in the Daily Mail by Steve Doughty. The title of the article was Divorcing Parents Who Can't Look at Each Other in the Eye Should Be Forced to Attend Re-Education Courses Before They Are Allowed to Share Custody of Their Children. I have three words. I love it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Let me say it again. I love it. Did you How say it's, it's, make- called, it's called a reparenting course? It's a re-education Re-education I, in parenting? Yeah. Re-education in parenting. Mm-hmm. And I love it. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the concept and the article, it really goes on to talk about a fundamental principle. Only if parents can look at each other in the eye when they exchange their children, only then should they be considered responsible parents. The article talks about how the silent treatment or ignoring the other parent, how it's a sign of parental conflict and will increase the risk of harm to a child if it continues. And parents who engage in frequent, intense, and poorly resolved interparental conflict, how it really puts a child's mental health at risk. I had to On take. Other, I had, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, Evan, but I had to take one of those classes in Massachusetts after, upon, upon filing for divorce. That's a rule to take a class. And you know what? It wasn't bad. It was fine. Is that a mandatory? Yeah, there's a mandatory mandatory parenting class when you when you file for divorce. So, but David, I'll tell you what. I I think it is a fantastic concept. The education, the things that people and parents can learn when you take a course and a program like this, whether it should be a requirement, whether it should be mandatory. Look, we can have that debate, but I think there's some tremendous benefits from rolling in classes like that. All right, Evan, as we do every week, are you ready for the docket, sir? Let's get into it. I'm ready. Let's do it. And now let's see what's on the docket. So as we do each week on the Shine On podcast, I throw a couple of news items Evan's way and just kind of see how he reacts to it, most having to do with some aspect of divorce. Kelly Clarkson, the former American Idol star and, of course, recording artist, is going through a divorce like so many other celebrities. She uh, actually talked about it on her show a little bit. Glennon, you you write about the the public fallout from your divorce. I'm uh, obviously going through one right now. It's horrible. There are so many hard parts. The hardest for me is the kids. That's the hardest for me. I always, I think as women especially, we're trained, Alicia and I were talking earlier, to take it all on and you can deal with it and you're fine, but it's your babies that you worry about. So what what was the hardest part? Because you also did it publicly. and uh, That's a hard thing as well. What, what was the hardest part getting through all of that? So she was posing the question to uh, a guest, Glennon Doyle, but what, I mean, what I got out of that was that, like she said, it's hard. And it must be doubly hard for a celebrity. I mean, nobody's weeping for Kelly Clarkson and all her money and success. But to be high profile, to have the kids already in a high profile situation and then to be going through a divorce. And I know you've you've handled cases like this, Evan. So what are your thoughts? David, my takeaways is, wow, Kelly Clarkson, here she is, a celebrity going through a divorce. There's been so much attention on her, her family, her kids. But wow. What candid thoughts, what great advice. And I think for a lot of people listening to her, following her divorce, listening to the clip, watching her show, look, Kelly Clarkson's being open. Mm. She's talking about the difficulties, the struggle. And if I'm someone going through a divorce and I hear Kelly Clarkson opening up, giving real advice about what it's like to go through a divorce with kids, how it affects her, how it affects her kids. I'm saying, wow, I appreciate her transparency and her level of honesty. And I I think anytime you hear someone like that be open about something so personal, I think it's, I think it's tremendous. I think it's a a good lesson for those of us that aren't famous. Also, I mean, she, there is a ring, you're right. There's a ring of honesty to her and it's, I I imagine it is sort of a relief to her to be able to talk about it. Now, not everybody has a chance to talk about it in front of millions of TV viewers, but 
I found that the more I talked about it during my divorce, it, it helped. And it helped remind you to say things out loud like that helps remind you. And she's right. It is, it is all about the kids and not everybody gets that right. Some people get fire in their eyes and do damage to the the kids, but it's good to hear Kelly's at least got the right attitude about it. So I agree with you. Good advice. Well, absolutely. In divorce, it's lonely for a lot of people Mm -hmm. and people feel that they're alone going through the process and to hear Kelly Clarkson open up about it, I think is just, I think is great. And it reminds me, Nicole Kidman, who is the star of the great new show on HBO, The Undoing. I'm watching She's it. been open. Yeah, yeah it's, it's mm-hmm. fantastic. I finished it the other night. Mm-hmm. She's been open talking about the pandemic and parenting and loneliness. And I think when people hear celebrities talk about the struggles, I think for, for many people, it gives people a different perspective. It makes people know that they're not alone with whatever they may be going through. We might have to have your official review on of, of The Undoing in a future episode, Evan, because uh, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. Because the show is, it's fictional, of course, but it is about marital strife. Um, it's about marital strife. It yeah. takes place in New York City, right. and I, I think it's absolutely fantastic. And yeah, I, I couldn't get enough. Anything with Donald Sutherland, I'll watch anyway, who play, plays uh, her, her dutiful dad. All right, so next item on the docket, we have an article here from healthline.com, which poses the question, what's the hardest age for children to see their parents split? And then it breaks it down into categories of how old the kids are. The, the article reads, divorce is hard on everyone, whether you're, 32 or, whether you're 32 years old or just two, whether you're one half of the once happily married couple or the product of that happy union, divorce isn't something you typically expect to plan for. The article doesn't really make a conclusion other than say the short answer as to what age is hardest for children to split is that it affects children of all ages, but it's probably hardest on elementary age kids for reasons the article goes on to talk about. So I know this comes up, Evan, and some people just like to answer it. Well, there is no good age, so you might as well get divorced now. Some couples, I know some couples who, who waited until the kids went off to college to divorce. What are your thoughts on this? David, it's such a great topic. It's such a great article with tremendous insight. Divorce is hard. It's hard for parents, but it's really hard for kids. And I think it's it's an area that is overlooked. I think it's an area that is not given enough attention. I think mental health in children, it's incredibly important when you take a look at the transition for kids going through a divorce. There, there's so much focus on, are the parents going to be okay? What is life going to look like for the parents going forward? when they go from living together to living separate and apart. How about the kids? And to me, the takeaway from this article is, sure, you can look at elementary school kids and a certain age group and say it's incredibly hard. But, and all that's true. And the transition and the article talks about all the different age groups and the struggles that all kids may experience depending on their ages. But I think a takeaway is, It's hard for all kids. And I think there should be even more resources, greater education, and a recognition and focus that divorce is hard for parents, but it is incredibly hard for the kids who are experiencing it with their families. Yeah, and I think I would pick up on that by saying, if the answer is what's the hardest age for children to see their parents split, the the answer is probably they're all kind of hard. So rather than focus on trying to time your divorce the right way, maybe just focus on whether you should be getting divorced and then the best possible way you can do it to limit the damage to the kids. And it's all the things that I'm sure you tell your clients, try to keep a uniform front in front of the kids. You're not divorcing the kids. And at some point I remember I, I, I felt sort of incredibly guilty But at some point I came around to the fact that the kids are always going to be my kids. They're always going to be mom's kids that you can preserve that. Not that it's not going to be sad. It will. But the kids will eventually grow up and not spend 100 percent of the time thinking about their parents. (laughs) They they will have other things to think about eventually. Yeah, No, they will. David, look, my practice, I talk to therapists. I talk to mental health professionals all day, every day. And I think a lot of professionals will tell you 
the longer you wait to get divorced, trying to figure out, is this the right time? Should we wait until the kids go off to college? The truth is, it's also not healthy to take that approach and have your kids experience and see any negativity that is in the household, any negativity between their parents. So on one hand, there's a lot of research out there that analyzes the different age groups and when's the right time to get divorced. But the other side of it is what the alternative is, how are your kids experiencing your relationship as a parent? And I think there's something incredibly important to be said for that. So uh, third on the docket, counselor, is the topic of Princess Di and Prince Charles and their marriage and divorce being sort of re-examined and resurfaced. If I know you don't watch it, Evan, but I'm a fan. And since you don't watch it, I'll play a little clip of the TV show The Crown, which is a big hit on Netflix. And here's a depiction of Charles and Di and a sort of a moment in their marriage what you'll hear is some music. Princess Di is dancing to some, it's actually a Billy Joel song, but it's some kind of event, and she's going to get the applause, and then you'll hear Charles and her in a limo afterwards in their private conversation. Here it is. What were you thinking? I was only trying to make you happy. That grotesque, mortifying display had nothing to do with me or my happiness. Eight minutes they're on their feet, cheering you. Tomorrow, the newspapers will be about nothing other than you. And people will see that it was about my feelings for you. Oh, if you had any feelings for me, if you had any understanding of me, if you had anything between your ears other than self-obsession, public displays like that horrify me. Everything I do seems to horrify Increasingly, you. Increasingly, yes. I never thought you'd manage this, but you're really succeeding now. And what's that? I'm starting to properly load you. what's taking you so long? The rest of us have been there for some time. Ooh, that is just nasty to think that's the way that that might have gone down. Anyway, there's an article recently on popsugar.com, and the headline is The Real Story Between Prince Charles and Princess Diana's Separation. The article doesn't actually define what the answer to that is i mean perhaps no one will ever know but it is pointed out in the article that in diana her true story diana shared that charles always wanted a girl harry was a boy his first comment was oh god it's a boy and then his second comment was and he's even got red hair though she said charles brushed it off as a joke she was extremely hurt so who knows i in watching the show i have started to realize that at least the popular opinion of this thing is that they actually never had a happy marriage, that it was more like an arranged marriage. And as will happen sometimes with people in the public eye, maybe they get married for reasons other than true love. And in this case, of course, they wanted the the dream wedding, which they did give to us. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm older than you, Evan, but I'm sure you remember that it was the most watched event in the history of TV, I think, at the time, uh, at least right up there. And I don't know, your thoughts in looking back on this? Well, my first thought is I, I just added the crown to my uh, must-watch <laughs> list. It's a great. Uh, it really is a great show. It's just very well done, and I'm not a guy that likes those cultured masterpiece theater type things. But it's just well done. I mean, here's what registers with me is I think it's spot on. I mean, I think there's a lot that goes on in certain relationships, certain marriages, high-profile celebrities that the outside world just doesn't know and they're not going to know. And there's reason people enter relationships. There's reasons people get married and look, sometimes it is about love. And a lot of times it's just not. And I'm not saying that was the situation here. I'm saying that a lot of times things happen in relationships, happen in marriages. And when you're a couple and celebrity status and the outside world is just not going to to, to, to to know and the conversations, the disagreements that people have in their marriages, in their relationships, they're real and they exist for all people. No matter how high profile someone or a couple may be, nobody's immune from having discussions, disagreements on several topics. Mm. Yeah. And that's on Netflix, that show, and you get an idea of 
something that I'm sure you're very keen aware of, not just for famous people, but for everybody. Don't assume what's happening behind closed doors, whether good or bad, right? Sometimes we see couples that we thought were made for each other. They're getting divorced. And I tell people, don't look to blame anyone. Don't even necessarily feel terribly sad about it because you don't know. Maybe they weren't as perfect as they looked. And then sometimes the reverse is true. You think a couple's strange and what are they doing together? And they're together for 50 years. So, Yeah, it's a great point. You know, <laughs> and what I've learned as a divorce attorney for all these years, I have an inside look into people's lives, their marriages, their finances. Nobody ever truly knows what happens in someone's home, behind closed doors. Nobody knows. And it, it, it may be a shock to someone else that a certain couple is getting divorced. But I'll tell you what, trust me when I tell you it's not a shock to the couple themselves because the struggle that people go through and the image people portray to the outside world, social circles, different clubs, different organizations, and people do it for all sorts of reasons, their kids, their family, to maintain different memberships, to be part of different circles, whatever it may be, what happens behind closed doors for a lot of people is different than what people portray to the outside world. Nikki Bruno is our featured guest on today's episode of the Shine On podcast. Nikki is a divorce empowerment coach and founder of the company, The Epic Comeback. Nikki's work focuses on helping individuals navigate high conflict divorce. Nikki's work, her company, and her approach to working with clients during such incredibly difficult life circumstances has been featured in Forbes, Reader's Digest, Cosmopolitan, Bustle, NBC, and many other media outlets. Nikki has a new program launching soon, and we're excited to talk to her about it. It is called How to Get Over Your Divorce Before Your Divorce is Over. She's also the host of the Epic Comeback podcast, and she is nice enough to join us. Nikki, I appreciate the time. How are you? Evan, I am doing great, despite the fact that the world is falling. <laughs> I'm so happy to be with you today. Thank you, Nikki. We are going to touch on a few different and incredibly important topics. And I want to start with asking you, as a coach who helps people navigate the complicated and emotional world of divorce, tell us what you see people really going through day in and day out during the divorce process as someone who lives and breathes the process with her clients. The divorce process, especially the high conflict divorce process, is really asking a human being to do the impossible, which is to make a long-term series of very practical and extremely important decisions about not only their day-to-day lives, but also their future way down the road, particularly if they share children with their spouse, at a time that is extremely emotionally difficult, traumatic, disruptive, and even some of my clients even feel desperate during the process. There are so many unknowns. There's so much anxiety. There really isn't an area, an aspect of your life when you're going through the divorce process that isn't being touched, probably negatively if it's a high conflict process. And yes, there there could very well be some positive things going on in your life and some joy, but that's that's how I think about it, that we as individual adults and kids, everyone in the family, including even friends, extended family, are going through a process that is very disruptive and very painful. And Nikki, I want to ask you about your own divorce, something that you've been very open about, very candid. And how did your divorce experience and the process that you went through, how did it shape and influence the work that you do today as a coach, helping people navigate their own divorce process? My personal divorce process almost 100% shaped what I do today. When I decided to become a professional coach five years ago and went to coaching school, 
I was making a career change because I wanted to become a leadership and executive coach. It also so happened the same year that I started my career change by attending coaching school, my marriage fell apart. And I proceeded to go through a three-year-long high-conflict divorce that began when my children were very young. My daughter was nine months old. My son was three. And it was everything I just described to you in terms of how it impacted me, in terms of how it impacted my day-to-day life. And so when I got to the other side of the worst of the divorce process, again, this was two and a half to three years after it began, I decided that I was going to change courses with the coaching business that I was going to open. I decided that it no longer made sense to me to be a leadership and executive coach. What really made sense was for me to draw on my coaching, training, and education, all of my credentials before then, my passion, my professionalism, and certainly my personal experience with high-conflict divorce to help people to stage epic comebacks after going through a life-shattering experience, primarily divorce, but I also work with clients who've gone through major illnesses or different types of loss or injury. And so my own personal experience of being completely sidelined and brought to my knees at what some might call the prime of my life, absolutely informed and inspired what I do now. And Nikki, you mentioned the length of your own divorce. You mentioned three years and I see it from the divorce attorney perspective. You see it having been through the process, working with clients, going through a divorce. It's not uncommon for the divorce process to take several years. And during this time, clients, people, their lives are in limbo. They feel stuck, exhausted, and worn down. You're launching a new program, how to get over your divorce before your divorce is over. Tell us about this program. Where did the vision come from? Tell us about it. The vision for this program came from the desire of my clients. And I can't deny the desire of me when I went through the divorce process, certainly, and over the past few years to get over it, seriously, to get over it, to make a decision that divorce was not going to be and is not going to be something that defines my life, my clients' lives, my clients' children's lives. I mean, think about the language that some of us use. We've all met some people who've gone through something very hard or traumatic, and they haven't gotten over it. They remain bitter. They remain muddled in emotions that are sometimes decades old and really don't ever get over it. It could be a loss. It could be divorce. I mean, divorce is a huge loss. It's a loss of a life partner. It's a loss of potentially a lot of time with your own children. It's a financial loss. It's a social loss. You're losing friends, all the rest of it. And so when I was going through and coming out of divorce, and now as I work with clients who are going through and coming out of divorce, I'm encouraging them to open their mind even to the possibility of getting over it at all. And in addition to getting over it at all, important to actually get over it in a complete way and hopefully in a fast way. And as you very well know, Evan, as you mentioned, a divorce, the legal process of divorce can take years. It can take, especially if it's a high conflict divorce, it can take five years, six years. I've heard as many as nine or 10 years. And also, even if it's a lower conflict situation, sometimes people separate and start going through the divorce process, but they kind of drag their heels because maybe they have an amicable situation and they're doing just fine. They're separated. They're, they're maybe they're co-parenting, but then at some point, one of them maybe wants to get remarried and that could be eight or, eight or nine years later. So the point that I'm making is that if you think about how long a divorce, the legal part of a divorce might take it's very reasonable to think that you can get over your divorce before your divorce is over. And I have got, as you can imagine, for my program and just coming from the best of what I know and the best of what I have professionally and personally, seven different points, which is the best of what I have in not guaranteeing, but pretty darn close to guaranteeing that someone is going to get over their divorce a lot faster and a lot more completely. And Nikki, I absolutely love 
the concept. I love the idea for the program. And I want to ask you, how do you, as a coach with this program, and you mentioned three years, five years, I've seen divorces take seven years, eight years, as you mentioned, how do you have and get someone to believe that their journey can start before the process is over? How does that happen? That's a really interesting question to me because generally when I put something out there like a program, someone who contacts me about it is already interested in doing it. So, right. So they've kind of self-selected and they see something like getting over my divorce before my divorce is over. Well, that sounds really good. And so just the idea that a program like that or in a concept like that exists is something that will draw them to me. And so they're already a little bit motivated, but the way that I convince them, it's very, very practical, right? You can, you have a choice as a human being, at least that's what I believe. We have choices as human beings. And when hard things befall us, we have a choice to either take some action toward improving, getting better, getting over something, grieving, whatever it is that it takes, or not. And when I say to potential clients, what would you prefer? Would you prefer to get over your divorce over a period of 10 years? Or would you like to have a really good chance of getting over your divorce and putting it behind you and living an incredible life according to your own dharma, your own journey within the next year? They're like, okay, that sounds pretty good, right? From a practical point of view. And then there's more, of course, heavy lifting to do after that. But the inspiration comes from inside. The inspiration comes from what I'm about to talk about, sort of my, my seven strategies. It comes from finding the motivation inside. And I'll be talking about how to do that. And Nikki, you mentioned that divorce, there's an association with loss. And I think it's such an important point that I want to talk about it. Divorce is emotional. There's that loss that someone is going through. What would you say to someone who thinks it's too soon to start getting over a divorce before he or she has had the opportunity to, let's say, heal and process that loss? My answer to that is that healing and processing the loss is what comprises the first few, let's say, strategies or steps of my program. My program isn't just about taking action like climbing a mountain or taking action like starting a new business or taking action like finding a new partner. Not at all. The first few steps that happen kind of concurrently, it just depends on the person. Everybody's going to use these strategies or take part in these strategies at a different pace and in a different way. But grieving and healing are essential to the process of getting over your divorce. So what I would say to them is, you actually are making amazing process toward getting over your divorce when you are spending dedicated time to your healing, to your recovery, to being compassionate with yourself, to resting, to taking time off work if that's what you need. So I would say to them, you're already on your way when you're doing that. I think the program is absolutely brilliant. I think it's important. When I see clients going through the divorce process, that the process itself consumes someone. It consumes your thoughts. It consumes your mind. It becomes a full-time job. And as I listen to you talk about this new program, there seems to be a focus on oneself on moving forward with next steps, moving forward with the journey to find happiness. And really is, is the title of the program says getting over the divorce. And I think that's, I think, I think that's such a great way to approach it because I see too many people get worn down by the process. And I want to ask in a very long divorce that takes several years, how hard is it for someone who does not focus on themselves and the journey to find happiness before the process is over? How, how much harder is it for someone who waits three years, five years, even longer than that 
until their divorce is finalized to start their journey? Wow, do I love that question. I think what would make it hard is that on an emotional level, when you're going through something, it might be easier to access those emotions than it is, let's say, five years later or longer. And if you have the right support, such as a therapist, and a therapist, by the way, I'm a, I'm a coach, I'm an empowerment coach, but the, the, I highly, highly recommend that anyone who's going through a divorce, particularly a high-conflict divorce, but really any divorce, work with a therapist. So I'm not just talking about, oh, skip the therapist and work with the coach here. So I think that one thing that could make it harder is that if you really truly want to heal and you really truly want to recover from an emotional process, you have to be able to access the emotions. Now, some people, if they're going through an especially high conflict divorce like I was, you might need to have a period of time, maybe a couple of years or more before you would be ready for, let's say, the more active components of a program like mine. Because when you're going through something super hard and something traumatic, the the brain and the body have a tendency to kind of protect us from those feelings, right? So we may need some time before we can really access those emotions and process them and then release them. But to the extent that it's possible for people to start that grieving process, that mourning process, that healing process from an emotional point of view, if you're willing enough and courageous enough and you're working with somebody again, who's able to support you in that way, then doing some of that healing while the process is actually going on is like, you get an A plus for that. <laughs> it, it, it accelerates the process. It's actually central to what accelerates the process. And it's, it's central to a program like mine. If you're going to get over your divorce before your divorce is over, you have to start grieving. Now you have to start processing. Now that's really, that's really one of the main keys. And Nikki, you mentioned a team of professionals, and I know in your program, you referred to it as a VIP team. You mentioned a therapist, you're a coach, I'm a divorce attorney. Tell the listeners the importance of surrounding yourself with a VIP team, a team of professionals who understand the process and who really look out for the person who's going through the divorce. It is so intensely important. I cannot emphasize it enough to find a team of the right professionals to help you through a divorce, any divorce, especially a divorce that appears to be high conflict or is high conflict, meaning it looks like you and your spouse are going to be at odds about a number of issues and you and your spouse might be at odds about getting divorced in the first place. That was true in my case. I was filing for divorce and my husband at the time was saying he was 3000% against getting a divorce in the first place. I would call that pretty high conflict because you're in conflict about the very premise of the process that you're going through. And so, yeah, so it's incredibly important to find very good divorce professionals. And I want to say something about finances at this point, Evan, because I worked with two different divorce attorneys and the first attorney I hired first family law attorney I hired had a lower hourly rate than kind of the market rate in Boston, which is where I was living when I was going through the divorce process. And she had not been a family law attorney specializing in family law for very long and working with her ended up actually compromising my case, compromising my situation. I then found a much, much more experienced, excellent family law attorney who charged more like market rates in Boston. And what I want to tell people is that at the beginning of a divorce process, it's pretty inevitable that a bunch of money is going to have to be spent on the divorce process. But if you are strategic and intelligent about whom you hire and the, the right kinds of people to hire to support you financially, legally, and emotionally, then you are going to, in the long run, save yourself money. And you're also going to save yourself a lot more grief and a lot more stress. Because when you go through a divorce supported by the right professionals, 
you are going to have a cheaper divorce in the long run. You're going to have a faster divorce and you are going to be in a much better place emotionally because you will feel supported. No one who goes through the divorce process, unless they've been through it a few times already, knows how to make it happen. It's just like when you plan your first wedding, you don't really know how to do it, right? And it's, it's, <laughs> it's the same thing with divorce. No, Nobody it's true. becomes yeah. an expert on divorce because they want to, you know, like no, because it, they it, want it, to for their own relationship. Nick, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And you use the word right a few times in describing the importance of hiring the right professionals, the right team. I see it in my practice. Clients will come in. They'll look to change attorneys. And you're right. When it comes to surrounding yourself and a client with a team of professionals, it is incredibly, incredibly important. And I think you make a really outstanding point. At the beginning of a case, what would your advice be and recommendation to someone who's starting the divorce process? How can someone educate themselves on finding the right professionals, right attorney, right coach, the right team? Well, I have a very specific answer to that. One way is there is an organization called Vesta Divorce, which was founded in Boston and has expanded to Southern California and some other areas of the country. It's expanding very quickly. And Vesta Divorce, and there are other organizations that do this too, but in my opinion, not quite as well and comprehensively. The professionals who are affiliated with Vesta are all are all divorce-related professionals who've gone through a very stringent vetting process, and they hold three to four events per month that are educational and empowerment events for folks who are anywhere in the divorce process, and they're free, and there's no pressure to work with these particular professionals, and so I would recommend that people look into Vesta Divorce, and I also would recommend that when people are going through the process of potentially engaging attorneys, mediators, certified divorce financial analysts, coaches, therapists, et cetera, interview, I would say at least two, ideally three people in each of those professions so that you can use your head, your heart, and your intuition, your gut to make a more educated decision. And like I said before, when you're going through a divorce, it's so close to an impossibility to make really good decisions. If, if you're absolutely flooded with emotion and you all you want to do is be under your blanket in bed. However, <laughs> I do highly recommend almost like forcing yourself to take that extra time to interview multiple people for each role. Nikki, I want to ask you about the Epic Comeback Toolkit that's part of your program, that's part of the epic comeback journey. And specifically, I want to ask about the concept of belief. And as a divorce attorney, I find clients struggle with believing that they will truly find happiness again. And I want to ask you, why is it so hard for people to believe that they will be all right, that happiness will exist yet again, and they may even be happier in the future. What, what makes that belief so hard for people? Speaking for myself and also for several of my clients, one of the most staggering losses, if not the most staggering loss of going through the divorce process is that you are experiencing the loss of a narrative that you have been telling yourself about your life and your family's life just about since you were born. So speaking for myself, when I was growing up, I absolutely 100% envisioned myself getting married, having children, and living, living happily ever after. And honestly, that was the model that I was seeing with my own parents. My parents are still married after more than 50 years. They had a daughter. They had a son. Very, very blessed. I come from a very blessed family. And that may not be the typical model that people experience these days, but it certainly is the one that I experienced. And, and speaking kind of 
generally for folks, not just in the United States, but worldwide, we grow up with this, this kind of archetype or this model and this narrative of what our life is going to look like, the path of our life is going to look like. And so when you go through a divorce, that path, that narrative gets broken very, very shockingly. And so that narrative is just as much important for us to grieve and just as much important for us to mourn as anything else. And so imagining what a life could look like beyond divorce and imagining that it could possibly be as happy or that it could possibly be as complete or that it possibly could be as satisfying is very, very difficult for people because they don't have any other narrative. Sure, sure. And Nikki, you mentioned your own divorce and obviously going through the experience that you went through over several years. You give advice all day long to people as a coach. You work intimately with people going through a divorce and clients. What's the one piece of advice that you wish someone told you when you were going through a divorce and starting the process? I wish that someone had emphasized to me the extreme importance of taking a very strong interest in my finances, my own finances, my marital finances, and my future finances. That is the one thing that I wish I had paid more attention to, or that I wish that I had been able to pay more attention to during my own process. Because finances, whether we like it or not, are absolutely crucial to understand and consider when you're going through the process of rebuilding your entire life. And Nikki, I want to ask you about physical health, mental health, two things I know you're such a proponent of, and we've talked about both of these. I know research shows that divorce could affect someone's physical health and and mental health, both in the short term and long term. What recommendations and advice do you have for people, your clients, that would allow people to focus on both their physical health and mental health during a divorce and after the divorce process is over as well? So Evan, when I first started conceiving of my core coaching program, which is the Epic Comeback, and as I put the finishing touches on Get Over Your Divorce Before Your Divorce is Over, my second and newest program, I I thought a couple of years ago that when I started my coaching practice that I might even require my clients to engage in physical fitness while they worked with me. It's love, love it. Yeah, I mean, it's really that important. And I ended up deciding not to require it. But I encourage, highly encourage all of my clients to engage in physical fitness during and of course, beyond the divorce process. For me, I had a really hard time being motivated to do any kind of robust exercise during the worst of the time of my divorce. But when I decided to stage my own epic comeback, It was for me a shortcut to getting my energy back, getting my mojo back and refocusing on my health. And so for my new program, Get Over Your Divorce Before It's Over, strategy number one, it to me, it is the greatest shortcut to getting over your divorce and the greatest shortcut to staging that epic comeback is to move your body, is to get yourself in physical shape. And the reason that I emphasize that is that we now know scientifically from so many different studies that when you focus on your physical health and your physical fitness specifically, it has enormous benefits for your mental health and your emotional health. And so it kind of, it kind of trickles. I wouldn't say trickles down, but it, but it, it, there, there's just such a win-win situation because when you, when you get robust physical exercise regularly, you are, you're, you're not only releasing incredible positive chemicals in your body, you are, also, you are also literally treating any anxiety or depression that you may be experiencing, any clinical depression and anxiety, which are incredibly common among people going through a divorce. And so I am 
a huge proponent of getting your body in shape and doing regular exercise, whatever that means to you, because your, your mind and your level of peace and energy are, they're just, they're just going to go up. It's inevitable. Nikki, we share a brand on this. I think it's so incredibly important. I mean, I have clients who come in and they say, Evan, I used to run marathons. I used to run five miles a day. I used to work out. And now they're going through a divorce process. And I encourage my clients, live your life. Physical exercise is so incredibly important. Don't lose or stop doing the things that bring you joy, bring you happiness when you're going through a divorce. I think if people could focus on their physical health and mental health, not lose sight of whether it's a five-mile run or training for a marathon, stay true and enjoy the things that you did during your marriage personally. Continue to do those things during the divorce process. I see when clients take that advice, it brings them such incredible joy, and it also gives them something else to focus on not just the divorce that is happening. Yes, and I would add to that, we do share a mind on this and I've already stated what I believe is the importance of physical fitness. To me, what is more important than that is self-compassion. I believe that self-compassion is the highest form of self-care. Everyone's all, always talking about self-care these days. It's a phrase that drives me nuts because I just don't <laughs> like it anymore because it's kind of like a fad, right? Like, hey, everybody, let's, let's do something unusual. Let's take care of ourselves. We should, always, we should always be taking care of ourselves. But what I say is that self-compassion is the highest form of self-care. If you're going through a divorce, you are a human being who is handling a staggering amount of grief and potentially a staggering amount of trauma. If you've been in an abusive situation or you've been in a situation where your spouse has been engaged in criminal action, I mean, you know this very well, Evan, there is stuff that hits the fan in relationships, right? Absolutely. I see it all day. You see it in your work. Oh my gosh. It just talk about the apocalypse. Like 2020 is the apocalypse. Imagine going through a divorce during, during 2020. And that's a whole other podcast, but The point that I was going to make is that if you are during your divorce, if you're finding it hard to get motivated to exercise, if you're finding it hard to get through a meeting at work without feeling like you need to burst into tears, if you are, if you are snapping at your kids or at your spouse or at anyone that you know, and acting not like yourself, please have some compassion for yourself for that. If you need to clear your schedule for a week, if you need to, if you, if you need, if there's something that you need, you really should do it. And so I agree with you. I totally agree with you, Evan, that it's important to continue doing the activities that normally bring you joy and that normally keep you in balance and peace and at peace. But sometimes during the process, you feel like you're hitting the floor. And you might need to suspend those activities and you might need to take a break. And what I say is give yourself a break because you're a human being going through something hard. And for me, it's kind of a, kind of a paradox for me. I'll say that when I give myself compassion about something, like, let's say I don't feel like getting up and doing my workout and I then give myself compassion and even give myself permission not to do it and say, yeah, you know, I could not work out today and maybe I could do this instead. And I'll give myself that compassion and that, and, that, and that permission, but somehow because I've released how important it is and I've given myself compassion, it often provides motivation for me to actually get up and do the thing. It's a really weird kind of psychological thing. I hope I'm not alone in that. Maybe I no, am. No, you're not. I, I, think it's, I think it's such a great point. I really do. Nikki, I want to go back to something you said a little while ago, which was education at the beginning of the divorce process. And someone doing research, somebody spending the time working to find the right attorney, find the right coach, find the right therapist. I want to ask you if someone in the beginning of a divorce process thinks that their divorce is likely to be high conflict, what could someone do to change the course, avoid a high conflict divorce, or is it likely unavoidable? in some respects. It could very well be possible 
that the level of a conflict, that the level of conflict in, in a divorce is just going to be real high. <laughs> it could be in some cases, but what could you do? I think the best answer to that is to find someone, if you possibly can, who doesn't have a stake in you hiring them and educate yourself. This can happen on Google, but really better to happen with somebody who maybe call your local bar association and find someone you can talk to about the different options for going through the divorce process to begin with. A lot of people avoid doing that or don't even, don't even know that there's more than one option. I think still, unfortunately, even though there are different ways to go through the divorce process, I think still people assume that they need to hire a lawyer and litigate. And that's just not true. You don't have to. I happen to believe that we need our litigators. We need our good litigators. And sometimes there are divorces absolutely that need to be litigated, especially when there's some kind of abuse or domestic violence or just really, really rotten things going on. There's some things I continue to believe that you're not going to be able to mediate, for example. So I think the best step to take is to educate yourself about in in the big picture, what a divorce process can look like. So the difference between litigating with an attorney or the difference between hiring an attorney, but then not necessarily going to court, but, but trying to settle with the other person's attorney. Mediation, working with a mediator where you don't necessarily have to involve an attorney until the very end of the process or um, collaborative law, just understanding what all the choices are. That's really important. And If you do some good research online, you're going to be able to glean that information. I'm just saying from, I'm just saying that I think if you can find one person who will give you that kind of overview, it's going to be a lot less, take a lot less time and be less painful. Nikki, that's such a great point. I think understanding the different ways to separate the different process choices that may be available to someone, it's so incredibly important. And Nikki, I want to ask you one final question. And as we talked about, I love the name of your company, The Epic Comeback, and I think it really describes brilliantly the second act for someone and that the road ahead, while it may be tough with the right team of professionals, the right support network, and the right advice, it really can be nothing short of epic. But how does someone going through a divorce see and truly believe that the darkest days are behind them and that they too can be part of their journey to have an epic comeback. There's kind of a light that comes on. I think I don't have a really concrete answer for that because I think a lot of it has to do with kind of faith or a person's sense of spirituality or really sometimes it's just time passing. Honestly, sometimes it's time passing where you get to a point where you start to you start to see and feel the sun again right you get to a point where you you start to feel that joy again and that's probably going to happen in time but if you have really incredible professionals around you who believe in you and who give you what i call aspirational support which means When you're working with me, you're working with somebody who already has staged an epic comeback from divorce. So you know that it's possible and you that aspiring to do that for yourself is going to be an exercise worth your time and your money and your energy. So it's, it it has something to do with that spark that, that starts to come back. Nikki, do you want to tell people where they can find you on socials or anything like that? The best way for people to find me and the epic comeback and get over your divorce before your divorce is over is to go to my website, which is theepiccomeback.com. And I'm also very present on LinkedIn, as well as Facebook, as well as Instagram. And on Instagram, my handle is the epic comeback. Nikki, thank you very much. This was absolutely fantastic. Congratulations on the launch of your new program, How to Get Over Your Divorce before your divorce is over. We appreciate the time on the Shine On podcast. Thank you so much, Evan. It has been my pleasure. David, what a show. 
episodes, oh, yeah. episode two in the books. And I got to tell you, this was fun. That's great. Thank you to all the listeners for listening to the Shine Up podcast. Nikki Bruno, wow. Absolutely wow. Nikki was fantastic. To the listeners on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you listen to your podcast, thank you for listening. Please hit the subscribe button and leave a review. You can follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I'm Evan Shine, and we'll talk to you again real soon.